Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is A Method to the Madness. A Method to the Madness, Joshua 8, 3 to 8 is where we're at. Now, last week, if you were here last week, or if you listened to the CD or the YouTube, you know I, I ended up sharing... I shared, ended the sermon with a story about Ryan, and Ryan, who most of you know, passed away in, in May, our son Ryan, uh, and I noticed afterward, and even throughout the week, some people are walking on eggshells around <laughs> People are like, did I offend you with that email I just sent, or did I upset you with that phone call? I'm like, it's, listen, I just want to tell everybody, we're okay, everybody's on eggshells with us. Um, don't worry, we're, we're okay, don't worry about offending us. So many people are being careful of us, and I appreciate that, I know you love us, but we're okay, don't worry about offending us, you can talk to us about Ryan or not talk to us about Ryan, it's okay. It doesn't, either way, you can't say anything wrong. I know a lot of, sometimes when someone passes and there's some people that get mad at, whatever you say, you can't win, and I, it, we're not like that. You, can, you can't say anything wrong. Uh, we're not going to be offended or upset with you, or why'd they say that? Or, we're not like that. Um, we're just, we know you love us, so it's okay. Uh, we're, we're doing okay. Kim and I are closer than ever. We're, we're, we're okay. We have a little less energy, I admit. We have less energy, but that could have something to do with that baby. But anyway, uh, we won't go there. We, we are grieving and we're healing uh, because of our faith. I, I got to say it's because of faith. I don't know how people do it without faith. But because of that, we, di- we, didn't get, we didn't get stuck in denial. We didn't get stuck in being mad at God for a couple of years like, like people can do. We believe God's going to work it for his good. And his good purpose, he's going to bring a good thing out of this bad thing in our life. Um, I've just tried to keep my focus where I can't go back and change the past. I can't answer a lot of hard questions. I can only remember Ryan and love the baby, love his baby, which he loved very, very much. Our faith has given us a gift, and that's what our faith gives us. It gives us a gift. We're able to move right past all that junk and right into grieving. We're not stuck in the wise. We're not stuck in the mad. We can go right to the sad. And and every morning we're sad, and this tornado picks us up. I tell you, this tornado called life picks us up, you know, and at night sets us down again. And then we can be sad again. We watch a lot, all the videos we've been working through. We, we got a lot of family videos, you know, with 13 kids. There's a lot of video footage. And uh, uh, so we've been watching, and I'm up to about when Ryan was about nine with family. We watch it together, and we remember a lot. And, you know, it's just been a real special time of remembering. But we have peace because we have faith in God. We know he loves us. We know he has a purpose for allowing this. We believe, I believe there's a method to the madness, which is what I picked for the title today. There's a method to the madness, which brings us to Joshua chapter 8. We've been looking at how Israel really messed up. All right, Achan sin, and they took the stuff, and God disciplined, God judged. They really messed up, but we saw last week how God was giving them a second chance. And we talked about how God gives us all a second chance on a third and fourth and a thousandth and a millionth chance, right? If you weren't here last week, grab the CD in the back or else go on the podcast. Uh, YouTube, it's on YouTube, and I'll be on podcast soon. Uh, go on those sites and catch up because I, I just think it's a really encouraging 
message that God gives us a second chance. But we're gonna, we, we saw that, but today we're going to see that God, although he gives us a second chance, he will also take steps in our life to make sure that it doesn't happen again. That we don't keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. He works on areas of our life to, so that we don't waste the second chance or the thousandth chance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the baptism video and the, the power of changed lives. We thank you for bringing each one of us here today. We know it's not by accident, not by mistake, whether we came all the way from Arizona or we came across the street. Lord, we know we're here for a purpose. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word now, through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so God, the method to the madness, God uses the craziest methods to discipline us, to deal with issues in our life. It's corrective surgery. I mean, you all probably know what I'm talking about, corrective surgery. Joseph, God wanted to make Joseph the, the ruler of Egypt, but he had a pride problem, right? I had a dream. <laughs> You're all going to bow down to me, even you, Dad, you know? So you got this pride problem. So what does God do? He, he set, makes him a slave, and he sends him off to prison. Even as a slave, that wasn't enough. He still had to go to prison. God, with Moses, God wants to use him to deliver the Israelites, but Moses had that problem. <laughs> who can I, who loses his temper and he kills somebody, right? He's got this anger problem. So what does he do? He sends them out into the sheep for 40 years. You want to be frustrated? Spend 40 years with sheep, you know? You know, I had one for a couple of years. It was enough, right? Uh, he, 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 if he hadn't done that, Moses would have killed off all the Israelites before they got to the promised land, right? His, every time they messed up, he would have, you know, called down fire from heaven or something, right? Hit him with his rod, something. He would have probably opened up the Red Sea and then closed it on him. You know, he, he, the anger, right? God had to deal with that. Uh, David, he wants to make David the king of Israel. So, but he had no leadership training. He was good with sheep, but he had no leadership training. So... He sends him off to a cave with a band of misfits. And he, he had to pull these misfits together. That was his leadership. Jacob, he wants to bless Jacob, right? Wants to bless him, but Jacob was self-sufficient and deceptive. Ooh, he was a tricky guy, that Jacob. So what does God do? Touches his hip, cripples him. Cripples him. Crazy, but God has a method to the madness. It doesn't make any sense to us at, at the time. Wax on, wax off, all right? Ah, you all crotty kid, you've seen it, right? There's a reason for it. Hiya, hiya, right? You, you saw the movie, right? There's a method to the madness. And we're going to see, as God gives us a second chance, He also will use us again, just as we saw last week, but he puts safeguards in place. He will discipline the sin in our life. He will discipline the, the pride in our life. He will, he will deal with the weaknesses in our life. He'll expose them, and then he deals with them. We look at, we've been looking at Joshua 7, now we're in Joshua chapter 8, and, and some things were exposed. They took Jericho, everything's going their way. The Red Sea, uh, the Red Sea, the Red Sea, the, the Jordan River opens up. Red Sea was 40 years earlier. The, the Jordan River opens up. They take Jericho. The walls fall down, everything's walls fall down, everything's going great in their life. But some problems showed up in their character when he sent them to take AI, the next the next city. What showed up? What were some character deficiencies that showed up in the Israelites? What's that? 
Greed, yep, greed. Okay, that was, that was the discipline one. But even after, even after Jericho, what showed up? Greed was a big one. You know, we saw that last couple weeks. Okay, complaining, right? They're whining, right? Uh, laziness jumps out at me. They were lazy. The whole, you know, the, the whole army took Jericho, but then when it came to the time to take Ai, he said, ah, let's all relax here in Jericho. We'll just send a couple thousand of the, the, the novices to take it. Pride. Remember the spies when they came back? Remember last week we saw that? The spies come back? Pride. This is no problem for us. Just, just send the second team. You know, we don't, we don't, you know, send the practice squad. You know, we don't all have to go. It's pride. Like they were the ones knocking down the walls of Jericho, right? Pride. Uh, worldly. They were carnal. Remember carnal Christians? They were worldly. They, they listened to human advice. They didn't wait and pray to God about what to do next. They just made their own decision. We don't, we don't need God this time around. Yeah, we needed them to get over the river and we needed them to knock down Jericho. But now that it's all going well, we don't need God anymore. We're just going to kind of keep making, up, making this up as we go and do what we think's right. Sound like anybody you know? <laughs> or a church you might know? <laughs> Let's look at how God dealt with it. And I think there's some lessons for us in this. And there's an outline in the bulletin which you can kind of hang on to and go follow along. But let's start with verse 3 here. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say, they're running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from the ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire, do what the Lord commanded, see to it, you have my orders." And we see here, if you've been following along with chapter 7 and moving in here, we see that God reverses exactly where they're weak. Exactly the character deficiencies, exactly the weaknesses. He reverses them. He disciplines them in these very areas. First one was lazy, remember? The first one we mentioned lazy. And look how he handles their laziness. Verse 3, so Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you will be on the alert. So, what does he do with this laziness? Well, he sends out the entire army. And then he also sends out 30,000 of his best men. And he sends them on a night march. A night march, which means no sleep. <laughs> you know, on the alert the whole time. I don't know if you've ever gone marching at night through the woods. You know, Some of the hunters know what I'm talking about. It's not, it's not the best time to be out in the woods, right? Uh, and, and, but they're out there on the alert. Don't know what's going to happen. Scary in enemy territory. Up all night long. Uh, and God is teaching them diligence and self-denial. That's what he does in our life when he wants to teach us. He does, a lot of you can relate to this. Um, that's probably why God gave Kim and I 13 kids. Uh, and now we have another baby. Uh, it, it, but really it wasn't for me. I think it was for Kim because it's keeping Kim on her toes. You know, up all night, 20 years. And, and I know it's for Kim and not for me because I don't wake up at night. Baby could be sleeping on top of me, screaming in my ear, yelling in my ear. I don't, it's a gift. I have a gift. I don't wake up. Kim wakes up. So it had to be for Kim. 
Is she, is she in the nursery? I, sh- I always, okay, good, good. She, she's out, good, good. I always check before I tell those stories. But anyway, when my kids, the kids, when they start to get lazy, they're sitting around too much, they start complaining and fighting because there's no routine school yet, you know, nobody can relate to that, right? Or they start watching, playing too many computer games, video games. Uh, that's when I say, okay, let's go for a walk. Oh, they know what that means. It's really a hike, you know. And so we go on this long hike, and, and we get, it, get that all out of their system. And, and at the end, they're having a great time. We're having fun. We're all muddy. We're all wet. You know, it's all great. We're out in the creek and all that. Uh, so, but but there's, by the end, there's an attitude change. And that's what God does. He, he takes us on these hikes and, and works us over. Israelites, they were lazy. So he disciplines them. And now they have lots of trouble. If they'd just done it the right way the first time, it could have been easy, right? Easier. But now it's got to be hard. And that's what happens when we walk away from God. When we walk away from God's way, we do it our way and we fail, it's painful, isn't it? There's, now there's pain involved. God wants us to feel the pain. He wants us to, to, to feel that pain. He wants to, us to feel the pain of our sin, so that we don't keep going back to it again. I was talking to my dad yesterday. You know, most of you know I grew up on a farm. And we were talking about some farm stuff. And I was telling farm stories at the fire last night with the kids. And he was saying, oh yeah. And he would start talking about stuff. And he said, remember you put the, you sucked the scissors in the electrical outlet? Yeah. You know, he was laughing about that. Yeah. You weren't too, you were a bad kid, you know. And then I said, oh yeah. <laughs> You'd like to heard that story already. But uh, he goes, and then maybe you stuck your finger in the, cigarette lighter in the car I said don't put your finger near that and you pulled it out and stuck your finger in the uh, your hand was all he's like he's laughing about all this oh yeah okay I gotta go dad I gotta go but anyway uh. (laughs) but why does God let us feel that pain and why do we do these stupid things it's dumb right why do we he says don't do it and we just do it our parents say don't do it we do it what what is in us right it god has to let us feel pain and so that we we recognize the effect of it and that's why he keeps us waiting too in the discipline that's why you got to march all night long he keeps us waiting he makes it hard so that we won't go back to it that's why that discipline process sometimes takes so long. There, I think of addictive sins. There's, all sins are bad, but addictive sins really get a hold of us. The Hebrews 12 calls it besetting sins and that the addictive sins. Now, God could just heal. We could just pray and, and be healed. I've seen it happen. But when he does that, I've also seen what happens. Maybe you've experienced what happens. I remember one couple of things really jumped to my mind. I remember one guy, he had a, a drug problem and... He came and he became a Christian and we prayed for him and he said, I, I really want to be free of this drug addiction. So we, we prayed with him and prayed for him and he was healed. He was able to just stop drugs. It was crazy. He just stopped. He had not, nothing for it. No more impulse, no more nothing. He was great. He was doing super for about six months and then one day he said, I, wonder, I want to try him again. I want to take him again. And he did. And next thing you know, he was crashing and burning. Now, why did he do that? And I talked to him about this. Well, he figured we'd just pray with him again and make it go away again. Right? Because it was easy. And a lot of times when there's no pain, when it's so easy, we go back to it, don't we? Another guy, uh, I had a friend who was a Christian counselor years ago, and he called me and said, I need you to come over and help me pray with this guy. I've been counseling him, and 
He's manifesting. It's a demonic attack, and, and you need to come over. And um, it turns out this guy he was a Christian, but he was involved in, heavily involved in pornography. And he had gone from pornography to prostitutes, and he'd go away to these business trips, and he'd be, immerse himself in, in pornography and prostitutes. And he had a demonic problem. And I got there, and it was not pretty. It was not not pretty. So we, we prayed over him and, and cast the demons out and, and set him free. God set him free. And uh, it was not fun. It was a brutal time. And so we get all done, and he's doing great. I'm going to go home. He got flowers. He went home. He's doing super, super, super. And we were so excited for him. He's free. And, and uh, the reason he came to us, the counselor at first, is he didn't want to tell his pastor or his wife what was going on. He said, I, I don't want to tell my wife. She'll just be crushed. And I don't want to tell my pastor. I'll be too ashamed to go to church. So I, I'm, I want to need you guys to pray for me. So that's how we ended up doing it. I wasn't real comfortable with that, but I, the guy was manifesting, and we dealt with it. So about a month later, he went on another, mission, another business trip, and he went right back to the prostitutes. And he called my friend, the counselor, and said, I need you guys to pray over me again. I got it really bad this time. Seven times worse, right? Seven times worse. Horrible. And uh, my friend said, what do you think? I said, tell him no. We're not going to pray for him. Tell him, go to his wife and confess it. Go to his pastor and confess it. They can pray over him because he needs accountability. He needs to experience the consequences. He needs to fight his way out of this with, with their help. And sure enough, he did. And he got his freedom again, and he stuck with it. And he, I remember he called my friend and said, you guys did the right thing because now I have accountability, and now I'm going to persevere. And, and I'm, you know, but that's what happened when, when it's too easy. When it's too easy, we, we go right back to it, right? So God usually makes us fight our way out of something by grace. So we won't go back to it. So we'll remember how desperate we were in that sin, in that addictive sin. So that we can help other people who are going through the struggles, right? So that to strengthen us and grow us up. It, it, there's a, there's a, a spiritual strengthening. We use our spiritual muscles depending on God's grace. There's that, that strengthening uh, to understand why we did it in the first place. As we go through that battle, we start to understand the reasons why we open these doors. And we start to understand so we can get, get real healing. Very, very important. So laziness. The second thing was pride. And look how God deals with the pride issue. Uh, verse 5. Um, in verse 5 it says... I and all those with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out against us as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hands. So this time, because of the pride issue, this time he says take the whole army. Think about this. This small little city, AI, had to take the entire army. They had to do a, an ambush, which was humiliating. There's no man-to-man toe fight. They had to ambush them, right? They actually have to run. God actually made them run away from these guys. Turn their backs and run away from them. And then ambush them from behind. Shoot them in the back. Where's the manly fight in that, right? But he was humbling them. He humbled them, and that paved the way 
for later victories. And that's what God does. He lets us, he, he humbles our pride to, to set us up for victory at a future time. That's what God does. And then he dealt with the worldliness too, the carnal thinking, the worldly thinking. You know, we can do this. This is how we're going to do it. Verse 8, when you have taken the city, set it on fire, do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. This time do what God commands. Not what you think is the right way to do it. Not, they didn't get together as an elder board and say, oh, I think we should do this. Well, this is how we do it at our corporation. This is how we do it at my company. You know, there's no corporate thinking here. This is, God does it all differently here, right? It's not what you think you should do. He makes them obey a puzzling plan, even when it makes no human sense. If your plan makes perfect human sense, you better go pray about it some more. Because God rarely works in a way that makes complete human sense. He, there's a method to God's madness. And, it, and it's critical for a church, as a church too, that it's, it's easy to make human decisions. We have to take everything before God, pray and wait for God's clear direction. Because God knows exactly what to use in each life, every one of our lives. He knows exactly what to use to discipline us and to prepare us. What is God using in your life today? What is he using? What is he using in our life to deal with laziness, to deal with pride, to deal with worldliness, or you fill in the blanks. What sin, what weakness, what struggle, what doors have we opened? What is he using in our life to deal with that? What pain is he, is he using? Maybe it's trials. Maybe it's, or, or maybe it's not even anything we've done wrong, but maybe the discipline is to prepare us for more fruitfulness, to prepare us the, the, that whole uh, pruning. Maybe it's to grow us up spiritually or to prepare us for greater responsibility. And he's using that trial, that struggle in our life. He knows exactly what to do to discipline, either to stop something or to prepare us for greater use. He knows what to use in our life. Maybe it's tr a trial. Maybe it's suffering. Maybe it's sickness or financial struggles or a job struggle or a relationship struggle. <clears throat> maybe it's pride. We have a pride problem, so God lets us flop in some way to, to turn us to him. Maybe it's anger. So what does God do when we have an anger problem? He keeps putting us in a situation that's going to aggravate us and bring stuff out into the open. A lot of times they say, well, I'm only mad because you've done this, or, you know, you, you, if you kids would just stop doing this, or what, you'd get the point. No, no, it's just bringing out the anger problem we have, right? Nobody causes that. It, it's in us. God uses it to bring it out. Maybe it's a lust problem we have. So God uses sexual difficulties, even in our marriage, to make us face that lust problem. Maybe it's material, materialism. We are so into materialistic things. So God lets our stock drop. Everybody else's stock is going up, but mine's coming down, right? Or he blocks us financially in some way to, to make us face that. <clears throat> Maybe it's gossip. We've got a gossip problem, so what does God do? He lets our best friend gossip about us and stab us in the back to show us what our problem is like. Maybe it's controlling. We're just controlling everything. Nobody here has that problem, I'm sure. But, but so what does God do? He <clears throat> puts us in a situation where we have no control. No control. Maybe it's competitive. We're so com ultra competitive. I like sports. I like to compete. But maybe we're too competitive. Uh, and so what does he do? He puts us on a losing team to force us to face that. And it's not only about winning, but it's about doing our best for God. That's what we're really competing for is to glorify God and do our best for God. So God puts us in that situation. Maybe we're dependent on someone or something too much dependent on them. And so God removes 
them from our life. Or he moves that thing from our life. Maybe we're rebellious. we got a rebellion problem. And so he puts us under a tough teacher or a tough coach or a tough boss. Puts us under that person to, to make us face that. Maybe we're impatient. We're very impatient. So we get a speeding ticket. Some people got him on the way to church before. Oh, we don't go there. Uh, maybe, maybe it's marriage. You know, maybe it's God's using our marriage. You know, and you say, "Why is my spouse so difficult?" Well, they're not. They're sandpaper. God's using them to sandpaper the rough edges off of me. You know, and He's working that. It may be. It may seem crazy what God is doing. Think of your life. Fill in the blank. I'll give you some, but I'm just priming the pump. We can all, all think, you know, the Holy Spirit's all reminding us of something, right? It may seem crazy, but God knows what he is doing. The question is, will we surrender? Will we let him do what he needs to do or we keep fighting him? Will we surrender and let him do what he needs to do or we keep fighting him, which will cause more pain down the road? I uh, was remembering something that reminded me of this, that's, that's on the farm, Cows are born with these little, you know, calves. They got these little nubs that grow into horns, these sharp, sharp horns, right? And the horns look cool if it's a western and you're watching a western, but, but you don't want a cow with horns in your barn or you want to work around them. In fact, I had a great, great grandpa who got blinded by a cow horn, you know, jabbed him right in the eye. Uh, it's very dangerous. So what farmers do is farmers take the horns off of cows now. That's why if you go to a dairy farm or any kind of farm, there's no horns. They take them off because they're, they're very dangerous. They can hurt each other. They can hurt the farmer. Uh, they can even hurt themselves with a horn. So they, <clears throat> it's very important that you get rid of these horns. So what, we, what you do when they're little calves, you, you dehorn them. Uh, you dehorn them. Anybody ever do dehorning calves before? You take this hot you plug this thing in and you make it really hot iron. It's got a circle on top. And you take the little, you put it right on the horn where it's just starting to grow. You put it on there and it burns and burns and it's horrible. So they don't like that. Calves don't like that. <laughs> so what our job was, my dad had the dehorner. He says, okay, get me that calf. So we go into the calf pen and you grab them by the head. And Bob, you remember how you, you grab them by the head and you twist their head and you, they fall down. You turn their heads like a headlock in wrestling, right? You turn their head and you flip them over and you land on top of them and you hang on, right? And, my, and if it's a little calf, I would just hold on. Or my, if it was a bigger calf, my brothers would come and we'd all, everybody grab a leg and sit on it and hang on. And, and then you, they burn the horn off and they don't like it, you know? It, it's burning, burning. And then if you knock it off, you burn it some more and it's burning hair and burning horns and it's horrible, there's smoke everywhere, right? And, and, it's, and I remember one time it was, we were all piled on top of this calf because it was really fighting, really fighting, really fighting and, and we got all done finally and we get up and the calf didn't get up. Right? It wasn't breathing, it was just laying there and my dad's like, there's my calf, you know, and he's, and he's you know, he opens his mouth, he's blowing and you know, he didn't touch it. It wasn't mouth to mouth, but it was kind of, you know, blowing in, you know. It was never saw anything. Finally, the little calf, you know, starts breathing and kicking and got up and it was okay. It was traumatic. Some, if you wait too long, if you wait too long and the calf is a little bigger, they really fight. Really fight. But you've got to get these horns off. They're dangerous. They're deadly. And, and you got to get these horns off. And so we would come up with these contraptions. We'd have a board and we'd push it against the calf's neck and and. and Hold on, and then, you know, we'd come up with all these different contraptions to, to dehorn these bigger calves. But what would happen sometime, the longer you waited, the worse it was. Earlier was better. But sometimes the horn would grow back. You'd have a 
calf and, and the horn would start growing back and there'd be this cow with like this horn growing and they're, you know, they're getting, now we're bringing them into the barn and they got this dangerous horn, this mangled horn because horn it had been dehorned, but it's mangled, but it's sharp and now we got a problem because we can't leave it in the barn. We're going to have, just going to have a baby, we're going to milk it, so we got to get rid of that horn. Hmm. So what we would do, my dad would do, I'll never forget it, he, he, they have these clamps they put in the cow's nose. And if you can get a, your hand, right? You get the hand in the cow's nose, they can't do anything. That's why the bulls had the horn, the ring in the nose. If you get a hold of that, you could hold off even a wild bull. That's scary. And so, uh, and, but we, he put these clamps in the nose and pull them against the stanchion and tie it up really tight so the cow couldn't move its head. And then he'd take out the guillotine. It was his big handled contraption and he'd put it over the horn right down to the head and he'd go crunch and there'd be blood because inside the horn is like tissue blood squirting everywhere right right blood you guys didn't know what you're in for did you hi they're used to it they're used to these stories but anyway blood squirting everywhere and then my dad would have to take this stuff to, I can't remember, some kind of powder, and he started throwing it on the cow's head, and it's fighting and bleeding, but Bob, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it would make the blood clot, and then he'd have to he'd be there spraying it with a spray to keep the flies from laying maggots in there. And, and this cow would have this, it was horrible. The cow was traumatized. I was traumatized just watching it. Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not going to be a farmer. I'm going to be a pastor. It's a lot easier. We won't go there. But anyway, what's the key? The little calf, when they're little, you submit. You let the horn go. It hurts, but you get it off, and it's good. If you wait too long and you've got to put up a bigger fight, the teenage calf, or, or you get to be an adult and there's these strongholds in your life, it's a lot harder, right? It's a lot easier, teenagers, to deal with when you're 13 than it is to deal with when you're 43. Trust me. It's a lot easier to submit to God. Very, very important to let him discipline us. Let him do what he, he wants to do. Remember, God doesn't discipline us to hurt us, but to help us. It's corrective surgery. We need it. He loves us enough to discipline us. That tough love, he, he has that. God wants to give us a second chance, but he has to get us ready before we can take advantage of that second chance, before our failures can be turned into successes, he, and, and use us in a special way, he has to deal with what the weakness was, what the hardness was, whatever he has to deal with. He has to deal with that. Very, very important. Next, week we're, next time we're going to talk about how God will turn it into success. But how is God disciplining us? How is he preparing us? What is he working on in our life to, to, to prepare us? Will we submit to the surgery? You know, before there was anesthesia, they used to have to tie people down to do surgeries. You know, they'd you know, maybe give them a drink, but they'd tie them down. But anesthesia changed everything. It changed everything. And that's what our faith is. Our faith is like anesthesia. Our faith allows us to relax and let God cut out what he needs to cut, even though it's scary. Faith is the anesthesia. This is, it's crazy. This is, I don't know what's going on, but it's for my good. Maybe you're here today, and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're fighting against God. You're fighting God. 
You're resisting him. God keeps reeling us in and we fight our way out. One of those reeling us in and he's fighting our way out. You know, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. That's a picture of, of how God works. He, he catches us, but he's not catching us to hurt us like a fish. You know, he, it's, it's a positive thing. He's catching us to save us. He's taking us out of this polluted, horrible mud puddle to a beautiful lake someday. That's what he's saving us from. And yes, it hurt. It hurts to get hooked. I just took the kids fishing the other day. And, you know, you're out fishing and it hurts and the fish comes out and it's all panicky, you know. But after I catch, I throw it back in. Uh, but it's scary to leave what's familiar and yet you're, we're going to such a better place in our life and we're going to such a better place in our eternity. Uh, so much better. And if we fight, we're only hurting ourselves. God may be calling you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him. Are you resisting or will you surrender your life to God? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. As we go this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've been fighting against God, but you've never taken that step of faith. You've never become that new person. We saw the baptism video, that picture of a new life in Christ, dying to our old self, coming out a new person in Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. But today can be the day you surrender. The day you give your, this is, could be the day you give your life to Jesus and start a brand new life here and now that will last until all of eternity. The prayer of faith, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can have that eternal life right now, right where you are right this moment, it's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of surrender. God, I repent of everything in my life that goes against your will, your purpose. I repent of every sin in my life. I, I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died on the cross in my place who was a substitute for me. Who gave his body and blood for me. I put my faith, my hope, my trust in your son Jesus. And I give him my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. I give you my life. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, your life will never be the same. Whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old, your life will never be the same. You now have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you, convicting and encouraging and leading you. You now have a relationship with God as your Father. He's not someone to be afraid of anymore. He's someone that you can go to at any time. 
You have now have a love relationship with God as your Father, your Heavenly Father, through His Son, Jesus. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've given your life to Jesus. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, stick it in the box. Text me, call me. If you came with a family member or a friend, tell them. Tell somebody today so we can be excited for you and encourage you. And while we're finishing up this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to the rest of us? Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, but you know God's working on something. Would you pray the prayer of surrender? Say, God, whatever you have to do in my life, to bring me to my potential, to accomplish your purpose, that I could have peace and joy, whatever it takes, Lord. I surrender to you. I'm going to persevere through this struggle and grow the way you want me to grow. Father, we pray that whatever you're doing in our life, we pray for your mercy and grace to persevere through it, to stay surrendered. And Lord, if we're really, someone's really struggling here, I pray that you would send them to just the right person, the right friend, the right Christian fellowship to get help for their struggle, whatever that is. You would help them help each of us to find someone we can trust and share what we're going through because sometimes we need extra encouragement and accountability. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.